So, uh, a list of things, a list of things that perhaps you may have encountered just this past week. Uh, the pangs of loneliness, uh, fits of anger, storms of doubt, uh, maybe an accident that puts you in the ER, uh, maybe an argument that puts you, oh, I don't know, uh, in a rift with another person, uh, perhaps uh, a virus that just blew up your computer. Any of those things, any of those things, the normal things, right, could have happened to you this week. Any of those things could be happening to you this upcoming week. And then the, the list gets a little bit more intense, uh, going beyond just, just those more normal things, everyday things. The call from the doctor, uh, the job that you've been let go from, uh, the child that is straying, the marriage that is over. We're told God loves us, right? It would seem we don't get a pass, though, right? You see that? A little bit of tension maybe in that? Depending on how you understand these things? We're told God loves us, and it seems we don't get a pass from the brokenness and the pain and the struggles of life. So what do we make of that? What do we make of that? I, I would venture to say it would seem that it would do us really well to get back to basics and to listen to what He told us from the start as to what it means to follow Him. If you've got a Bible, I'd ask you to turn with me to Psalm 121. Psalm 121, we're pressing on incrementally, chapter by chapter, step by step through this little series here in the song the Songs of Ascent, Psalms 120 to 134. Uh, this is, the Psalms are right there, right there in the heart of your, your Bible, uh, all 150 of them. Uh, this little series, right, starting in, in uh, well, the Psalms starting in verse 1 and going on to verse 8. It's certainly not a long psalm, but boy, is it uh, pregnant with meaning. Hear now the Word of God, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for gathering us here, whether in this room or online, watching, listening, thank you for this time. Thank you that we could begin this week this way, giving us, you are giving us this opportunity to 
be able to wisely reflect back in a sane way on the things that are in our rearview mirror, and at the same time, an opportunity to be prepared for what might be in front of us in the days, weeks, months ahead. We ask that you please would work within our hearts to help us think, feel, move, live in accordance with your Scriptures, in accordance with what is true, with what, in accordance with what is real. Where we need correction, we pray for that now. Where we need strengthening, where we need conviction, where we need stealing, Pray for that now, where we need comfort, where we need to have what is broken, the reed that is bent, to be braced, to be wrapped, to be treated, to be mended. We pray for that now. You know our hearts, you know where we are, you know what we need. Oh, good physician, oh, shepherd of our souls, we pray for your care upon us, your work in us now. Amen. There are many different kinds of advisories that you can encounter over the course of a day, a week, a season. Maybe it just depends on where you are and when you are. So first you have weather advisories, right? So the National Weather Service, when Doppler radar picks up a front moving in, and it would seem that that front has potential to do harm to property and life a weather advisory goes out, right, so for, the, for the sake of, for the protection of, the safety of the people in that, that region. You have weather advisories, you have travel advisories, right? So that, that occurs when a government, for the sake of its citizens, recognizes that there's something happening in a, in a region that they may potentially be traveling to, a region, a country, whatever it may be, and so there is this warning, this advisory that is, is sent out. And there are a list of other kinds of advisories we could speak of as well, I'm sure. But when you think in, just in terms of, of these advisories, they are typically worth our attention. They are typically worth listening to, worth heeding. Uh, in fact, it would really be wise and good to do so, oftentimes quite foolish on our part to just ignore advisories. Well, Psalm 121 is something of a weather and travel advisory a forewarning, if you will, of what is ahead. It's the second in what are called, again, the Songs of Ascent. Uh, these, these psalms, this collection of psalms, these 15 psalms pull, pulled together, given to the, the Lord's people, the pilgrims, as they would make their way to the, the city of, of, of Jerusalem three times a year for these annual feasts, this collection that they would have to sing together as they would make their way, this ascent to the city of Jerusalem, to the temple, something for them to sing together, both to uh, shape their hearts and give them something to express something of their hearts at the same, at the same time. It's with these, well, the whole Psalter is for that, but these Psalms in particular, that as well. Psalm 120, that's where we began. That was the one last week that we, that we looked at. And that's the, the Psalm that, the, if you will, they're singing as they set out on the journey from whatever point on the compass they may be as they're making their way to the temple there in Jerusalem. And that song is so important because it identifies for them who they are and the context in which they're living as exiles, moving to, as aliens and strangers in 
and, 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 a, and a familiar but at the same time unknown place. So important, so important that you begin with that understanding as an understanding of who you are and, and where you are. At the same time, as you're making your way, a question that understandably would be asked is, well, what can I expect along the way? What sort of advisory do, do you have for me, if you want to put it that way? A pressing question, a reasonable question, a pressing question, an important question to ask. What's ahead? What should we expect? Vital, of course, for them, these pilgrims, they're in Israel as they're making their way to temple, but vital for us as well to be asking because these songs of ascent, these songs for the road, if you want to put it that way, these songs for the road in many respects are emblematic, symbolic imaging for us as believers, as disciples of Jesus now, as to what it looks like to follow Him. These ancient songs tell us something of what it looks like, what the life of the disciple looks like now, what it means to, to follow the, the Lord Jesus. And what we see here in this psalm in particular is that life comes with its difficulties. Yes, life does in fact come with its difficulties, but at the same time, it comes with the assurance of God's help. And those two things need to be held together as we set out on this journey, as we understand what this, what's ahead of us. That's the advisory. Those two things, not one, not the other, but both at the same time. Life indeed, life indeed is full of its difficulties, but at the same time, just as strongly, we have to say we have the assurance of the Lord's health, or if I can put it this way, on this journey, we will meet difficulties, sort of like what we were reading earlier from Eugene Peterson, that quote that we began the service with. On this journey, we will we will meet difficulties. We must then look to the Lord as our help. We must look to the Lord as our help. That's the, the, the emphasis, the focus of this short psalm. Now, what would it look like to look to the Lord as our, our help? Well, that's the three points. That's where we're gonna un- how we're going to unpack that as we go. And we won't really understand any of that what it means to to look to Him as our help unless we are really grappling with these three things. One, the source of our help. Who is He? Two, the promise of help. What is it, in fact, that He has spoken? What assurance is it that He has given to us? And thirdly, the, the depth of the hope. What does it really mean? How far does it go? How far can we entrust ourselves into this? So, the source, the promise, and the depth. So, first the source, the source of the help. We see this so plainly just in the first two verses. Now, it really, it's the, the whole psalm is filled with this, but I'm just going to look at the first two verses again. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So, this is getting at, answering at the question, where is it that we are to look? Well, the psalmist is looking to the hills, all right? What does that mean? What does it mean to look to the hills for our help? Well, let's first look at these hills in the sense of, of the unlikely meanings of what that, what that is, okay? And then we'll get to the more positive way to put that, the more, much more likely. So, unlikely, let's just deal with some of those, get them off the table, okay? So, first off, these are not hills simply as part of nature, okay? This is not a nature mysticism. We're not worshiping creation. We're not worshiping 
these hills or the forces therein. Nor is it simply looking at these hills as symbols of grandeur, kind of like those inspirational posters that you see in the doctor's office, right? Um, Nothing wrong with being inspired, but these hills are so much more than just a positive good thought for the day. That's not the sense in which the psalmist is looking to these hills. And, and in fact, nor is he looking to them as just ordinary hills. Now, now some, some of you may, if you've studied this psalm or heard teaching on this psalm, might have heard interpretations along these lines, that he's looking to the hills as a place of refuge. So it's, it's looking with a sense of longing, of, of rescue. Well, that's actually not it. Nor is it looking to the hills as havens of robbers, like I'm looking and, oh my gosh, that scares me, you know, so filling you not with hope but with dread. It's not just any ordinary hills, because you could be filled with either hope or dread either way. Just, just you know, go into the, the Smoky Mountains, and you can look in those hills and feel that way. It's these hills, it's particular, certain hills that he is looking at. Now, which hills? Think with me. What's the context? Where are these people going? They're going to temple. They're going to Jerusalem. The likely meaning is they're looking to the hills surrounding the city of Jerusalem. Those hills, those hills are what is occupying the sight, the vision of the psalmist here. But not not just so much the hills and not even just the city, but specifically, most specifically, the temple. There within the city, there amidst those hills, the temple being the place in that time in redemptive history, the place of God's presence. The temple is where God is. Specifically, what we're really looking at here, lifting up our eyes to the Lord Himself. Lifting up our eyes to the Lord Himself. That's what the hills are meant to image. That's what they're meant to picture and and point to. The living God, the one who the psalmist says, the Creator God who made the heavens and the earth, unspeakable, unmatchable power. The covenant God, the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, that's what the capital L-O-R-D there is, the covenant God, the one whose power is not only incomparable, but whose promises are unbreakable. Those two things coupled together, that's who, that's who we are to turn our eyes towards in the midst of our trouble, in the midst of our, of our difficulties. He is the source of our help. He is the only source of our help. He is the only one to whom His people should be looking, and no other. All others will surely disappoint. Oh, maybe not immediately, at least not seemingly, but surely in the end, any other source of help but Him will disappoint. Think, think of the, the stories that we grew up on, right? And the, how this is a theme, misplaced trust. How time and again, you read in, the, in the, old, the old stories, the nursery rhymes or the nursery stories or the kids' books, or even as we get older, that theme of the shortcut, it's in Pilgrim's Progress as well, the shortcut, the, the seemingly good idea, let's take this path, this in route, you know, to... to it seems to be it seemed to have been a good idea at the time, but in the end proves to be disastrous. 
It's a theme that comes, comes up again and again and again. Or, or the, um, the seemingly kind stranger who appears on the scene with this novel bit of advice and counsel that seems well-intentioned, and it seems, but it, 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 I say novel because it goes against what the wise sages, the parents, the advisor, the coach, whoever it is, told you before, but you listen to this other news source, and what happens? Well, it turns out this was anything but someone who was actually in your favor and looking out for your true good. Again, the theme comes out again and again and again, and every time you see it, here's what you can know. That's an echo. That's an echo, a reverberation of this deeper theme of the truer story that we see here in the Scriptures, of the need to look to the Lord and the Lord alone, to the Lord and the Lord alone as our help. Oh, that we could have verse 2 tattooed upon our hearts. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. His his promises, absolutely unbreakable. I think of the significance of that. When you begin to wonder, when you begin to doubt, when you begin to ask, maybe, I wonder if perhaps maybe he really is. Somehow the omnipotent, all-powerful God just doesn't have time for me. He's too busy, I guess, keeping the stars in their orbits and the molecules in order. Somehow, I guess I'm outside of that. Maybe he's just too busy. Maybe that sounds absurd. Here's something I don't think sounds so absurd because a lot of us really struggle with this. Maybe he's just done with me. Maybe he's just said, I've had enough. Maybe he's just saying to me, this time you've gone too far and I'm done with you because of your foolishness. And we have to come back to this. His promises are unbreakable. His covenantal promises to be our God, the God of His people, to be with us forever, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, His promises unbreakable. His power incomparable. Again, again, the, the thinking about what, what the psalmist is, who is he's speaking of here? From the Lord who made heaven and earth, the Creator God. So, we ha- have to then be reminded and remind ourselves of the fact that, that truly there is no circumstance, no crisis that is too much for Him. Not, not put X, whatever you're struggling with right now, in that bucket. There is no crisis, no circumstance that is too much for Him, not the God who made heaven and earth. You think about that rationally, how absurd that is to, to, to go there, but we do that all the time, don't we? Because that, that really is the, so much of the source of our worry and our anxiety. This is too much, or He doesn't care. And right here in these first two verses, those two are taken off the table. 
oh my goodness, that we would believe this, that we could believe this. Yes, in this life we will meet difficulty. We have those, but to look to the Lord for our help. Moving to the second point, not just the source of help, but the promise of help, verses 3 to 6. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. Okay, so what is it that is promised here? Help, all right, clearly. What does that mean? What kind of help are we talking about? Well, it's, it's helpful here and thinking about what kind of help this is to consider the images that the psalmist is looking there, looking, giving us here and, and really begin to drill down and think through what does he saying? What does this mean? Well, how does this help come? He tells us that our, our foot will not be moved. Now, what the, he's speaking of here, think again of a journey in that part of the world. We're not talking about sidewalks. There are no sidewalks. There are no paved roads. These are rough paths and, and roadways. Highways is, is not, when you read that in the Scriptures, is not what we think you know, with lanes and rest stops and all these things. They're just well-traveled pathways. These roadways, these paths, is rough terrain, loose footing, stones that can slip with the, underneath your feet. Very easy to lose that footing, to twist that ankle, to tumble down the hill into the ravine, to be lost, to be lost down at the bottom, slip and fall in the worst sort of way. Well, that's, he's saying, in, in, in some sense, that's not going to happen to you, to be lost in that way, nor will you be struck. Your foot, your foot will not be moved, nor will you be struck, struck by the sun. Again, this is the Middle, Middle East, right? And those of you who know anything about that area, you know that heat exhaustion and sunstroke is a serious possibility certain times of the year and certain times of the day. You've got to be very careful and very thoughtful about that sort of thing. And he's saying, you are not going to be struck by the sun, nor will you be struck by the moon. You're like, well, what in the world is that? Well, in the ancient world, there was a thought that the moon's light could have an effect upon you such that you could be set upon by seizures, moonstruck. Is, is what that meant. And you put the two of these things together, not be struck by the sun, not be struck by the moon. What the psalmist is getting at here is God's preserving care in, in the face of both known and unknown threats. That which you can see and anticipate and that which you can't see and would have no idea is coming upon you. And the, the assurance here is His care in the midst of the known and the unknown. And how can we know that? That's the, the, the imagery. How can we know that? Well, I don't know if you noticed this, but six times, six times in the midst of verse, just verses 3 through 8, the Lord is described as our keeper or as the one who keeps us. Do you notice that? Six times just in verses 3 through 8. The emphasis is so obvious you don't repeat something like that unless there's a strong, that's a strong point that the author is trying to make. The Lord is our keeper. And, and that idea means he, is, he watches over His people. 
He protects his people. He guards his people. Unless we miss the point, lest somehow we didn't see the keeping, keeper, keeping, keeper emphasis there in these verses. On top of all that, we're told that he never slumbers. Unlike the pagan gods who need a break, who need a rest, and at times need to be awakened, our God never needs a break, never takes a break, And in fact, we and our circumstances always have His attention. Now think about that. This week past, this week coming, you and your circumstances have His attention. You and your circumstances have His attention. He is ever vigilant, ever vigilant, never growing weary, and always close closer than your shadow. The shade at your right hand, that's what that's referring to. How close is, I'm looking at all these lights here and the number, I can't, you can't get away from the shadow, right? That's the imagery there. Close as your shadow, ever vigilant, ever present, ever vigilant, ever present. Such is His watchful care. Such that we, we can know that he's, he's always watching, always, always with us, such as the promise that we have of His help. And you ask, well, how can that be? I don't see Him. Frankly, at times I don't feel Him. How can this be? Well, think with me. Those of you who are familiar with the gospel accounts, Jesus, late in His ministry, in fact, right there towards the very end, on the eve of His crucifixion, the assurance that He gives His disciples that, yes, He is leaving. But he's not. What? what? He's leaving. He's going to be ascending to the Father, but sending the Spirit. So, yes, the form of his presence is absolutely going to change, but not its reality. The form of Jesus' presence with his people has changed and changed dramatically, but not its reality. Friends, He is just, if not more present with us now, really, in fact, not if, but truly more present with us now than He was with His disciples then. With us, ever, ever with us. So we can cry out to Him and know that we're heard. Know that we are heard, always heard. Think with me, go back to your your past. Think over your past. Maybe it's just something you could spend some time even this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow morning in prayer, spending some time thinking before the Lord, asking Him, how have you shown yourself to me as my keeper over my days, over my years that I've had on this earth? How have you been my keeper? And let that fuel your praise and thanksgiving to Him how He has been your keeper all your life, even when you didn't know it, maybe even when you didn't know Him. And then as you look forward, as you look into your future, how do you need Him as your keeper? How do you need Him right now and in the next hour and in the next week? How do you need to know that He is your keeper? Think with me, where are you feeling agitated right now? Where are you troubled? Where are you Anxious. Where, 
Where do you need him? Where do you need to know him as your keeper, watching over you, ever with you now? Yes, we will meet difficulties in this life. Yes, we're told that from the start. And at the same time, assured of his presence and assured that we must look to him for help. Well, that takes us to the third and final point, not just his the source of the help, and not just the promise of the help, but the depth of the help. How far does this go? Verses 7 and 8. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. What can we know? What can we claim? What can we cling to? What can we hold to? What is our, our, the hope, really, that He is, is giving us here? It is clearly not a promise of a life of ease. I'm sorry if that's what someone told you. They lied. Your best life now on all that garbage. We are not promised a life of ease. Just look at the immediate context. Think. Think. The immediate context, the threats that we encounter just here in the psalm. The loose footing, the heat of the sun, the darkness of the night, the long journey, the distant destination, the need for assurances. You don't need an assurance if you've got life of ease, right? If you're just hanging in the hammock and people are giving you iced tea. What assurance, what promise, what bolstering do you need in that kind of context? No, we are not promised a life of ease. You can see it in the immediate context. And then the full record, the full biblical testimony. Just look at the life of the apostles. What we know from ancient church history, all of them were martyred, except for Judas and except for John. John, as an old man, is exiled. Life of ease? Apparently not. Oh, and then there's our Lord and Master Himself, the author and the finisher of our faith, who is known as the man of sorrows and the suffering servant, in whose path we are called to walk and to follow after Him. We are not promised a life of ease, not in any way. What we are promised is that we will be kept from evil. We are not promised a life of ease. We are promised that we will be kept from evil. This is where that keeper idea is, the guardian, the protector. The Lord is your keeper, His keeping power, His keeping presence. But what does that mean to be guarded for him to be our, the keeping one from evil. Understand what this word evil means. It's a deep concept, a profound concept. The Hebrew word is ra'ah. It means wickedness. It means trouble. It means the deep, deepest kind of trouble, darkest kind of disaster. Deep disaster, dark darkness. It's, it's a state of all things being broken and spoiled and worthless. 
The implications of this is the Lord is said to keep us from that. That's the the negative way of putting it. The positive way is saying is that He keeps your life. Your soul is another way to translate that. He keeps your life. He keeps your soul. He protects us to the very very end. You see that from this time forth, you're coming. From this time forth, you're going out, you're coming in. So for everywhere you go and from the beginning to the end of this journey, He is watching over us. We are not promised a cushioned journey, but a protected one. We're not promised a cushioned journey, but a protected one. We have no guarantee that we will not suffer. We have no guarantee that we will not sin. We have no guarantee that we will not be sinned against. The guarantee is that evil will never have ultimately its way with us. That's the guarantee that the keeper of our souls is giving to us as we continue on this journey. That is the depth of his help. I'm reminded here of a quote from the Screwtape Letters. C.S. Lewis's classic, those of you not familiar with it, uh, it's, it's a, a fictional fantasy sort of book where you have this senior tempter Screwtape who is the apprenticing, if you will, his underling Wormwood, this junior tempter, in how to undo, under, undermine the faith of the patient, this, this Christian. And I believe it's in letter six uh, of the screw tape letters. You, you read this Do not be deceived, Wormwood. This is screw tape speaking to his junior tempter, Wormwood. Do not be deceived, Wormwood. Our cause is never more in danger than when a human, no longer desiring but still intending to do our enemy's will, now that's the Lord looks round upon a universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished and asks why he has been forsaken and still obeys. Screwtape says their cause is never more in danger than those times. Friends, um... There are worse things that can happen to us than suffering and affliction. There are far worse things that can come upon our souls than suffering and affliction. To have, to be, to be spiritually crippled because of a stance that we have taken before the Lord that looks something like this. You let this come into my life. And you didn't give me the relief I wanted as I wanted it and when I wanted it, so I'm done. Now, I understand there can be seasons where the believer goes through feeling like that, but when that becomes your hardened stance, you are spiritually crippled. Far worse things that can come upon us in suffering and affliction. To be, to be spiritually not just crippled, but hardened 
in your heart, unable, unwilling to look to the Lord and to see the invitation in the midst of the pain to turn to Him, to look to Him, to learn from Him, to let Him do a work, a transformative work in your life, making you a deeper, wiser, more joyful person. There are far worse things that can come upon us than suffering and affliction. We will meet difficulties in this life. The psalmist is very clear on that. Ours is to look to the Lord for our help. Let me end with this. It's your your public service announcement for the morning. Romantic comedies can be hazardous to your marriage. You say, what? I thought time watching those kinds of films was just the thing for a relationship. I thought that's what was supposed to enhance all this. Well, maybe, maybe, perhaps, but actually, in a strange sort of way, those types of stories, those types of films, a steady diet on such fare can create unrealistic expectations of what healthy relationships actually look like and a warped view of what it takes to actually have such a relationship. Research has actually been done on this very thing. I would only wonder, it's, a little, it's slightly dated, I only wonder what they would say about the Hallmark Channel. But research has been done, and it would seem that fans of such fair, such films as, I'm not picking on these films, please don't burn your Blu-rays and whatever, but um, you've got mail... The Wedding Planner, or While You Were Sleeping, such films as that and in that genre, fans of such films as these, it's been researched, it's been documented, tend to struggle with communicating with their spouses because they assume that if we are really meant for one another, you'll know what I need without my having to tell you. The idea being, it should all work without doing any work. So yes, it would seem that in fact the rom-coms can be hazardous, can be dangerous to your relationship because of these flawed expectations that are put there in front of us. Now, the author of Psalm 121 would not have us in any way to suffer that with our relationship with the Lord, would not have us in any way to to set out on this journey without having our view of who He is and His intentions for us set aright from the start. He would have us to have right, true assumptions wise, grounded expectations, lest we set ourselves up for the inevitable disappointments and the tragic disillusionments. And so we have this song for the road, 
with gripping realism and profound assurance at the same time. We will meet difficulties on this journey. We must look to the Lord as our help. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for speaking to us. We know ultimately this is not just the psalmist. This is you speaking to your people through the psalmist to us now. Thank you for speaking, and thank you for speaking so plainly, so honestly. A disciple is one who has heard the call of the gospel, repented, believed, and is following you. The kingdom has come, and yet not in full. And so we surely do experience both beauty and brokenness, healing and hurt. You have not left us alone as we wait. Ours is to look to you. Ours is to lean upon you. You've shown us who we are as exiles. You've shown us what the path looks like ahead. Thank you for these songs. May we learn them. May we learn what it is to sing them and to sing them to one another as we make our way. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, we are now going to spend a few minutes dedicating these tithes.